Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome to the NBA Whip Around. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. As you know, we are part of the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Don't forget to subscribe. Always appreciate a five-star rating if you're inclined to give us one. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. Joining me for this one from Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, Canada. He's an anchor, sometimes reporter, Mr. Marcus Fitzgerald. Although, Marcus, I will say to people who don't know, you are a huge Lakers fan. You're going to get booed by all the Sixers people listening to this. How did you feel about the fact that Russell Westbrook's outfit was better than any game that he's had when he was wearing at the Met Gala today? Yeah, no, I I, I saw Russ's fit. It, it it was impressive. And, you know, I was actually prepared because I knew you were going to ask me about Russ. And I could talk about Russ for half an hour, but I'll say this. The only way that Russ doesn't come back to the Lakers next season is if LeBron literally wires him $47 million in cash <laughs> and just kind of winks at him. You know, like, hey, Russ, just take the money. Don't pick up the option. Clutch will come and get you in 10 years. Don't you worry about it. That's the only way he's not coming back to Los Angeles. He's going to be back next season, and everybody, including me, is going to hate it. But at the same time, as far as the Sixers go and all the Sixers people, we at least agree when it comes to DeAndre Jordan, okay? We can agree with that. (laughs) Yeah, that was atrocious. And if you didn't know, I mean, Doc said basically after the game, they're going to start him. Oh, I saw it. Doesn't care what anybody (laughs) thinks. I know, and you're you're seeing this. I'm seeing this come up online, and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, Doc Rivers? Because... Again, it's one thing if DJ made a couple of mistakes here and there. Sure, he catches a couple of lobs every game, you know what I mean, and had, looks good on, on dunking the ball. But it's like the proof is in the pudding, which is the numbers. I don't know if Doc Rivers sees any of the underlying numbers. You look at the offensive, defensive ratings for the team, the net rating. Everything is better with DeAndre Jordan off the court. You got to see that up close and personal with the Lakers this season, unfortunately, but you're saying, you know, you, that, uh, people will be happy to won't be, you won't be happy to see that Russ is back with Lakers. I think every other fan of the NBA who doesn't like the Lakers will be thrilled to see Russell Westbrook coming back to the Lakers and, and seeing them struggle to a 38 and 44 season next year. <laughs> well, of course, there's no doubt about that. Now, the other side of this jazz is if the Sixers lose to Miami and if Joel doesn't come back and the orbital bone doesn't heal and he can't play well with a mask on, which although he has before, maybe they don't beat Miami. Maybe Daryl decides, okay, now we can move on from Doc. We have our excuse. And then Doc ends up in Los Angeles. And then Doc can bring back DeAndre Jordan, and then he can recreate 2012. And I, and I say that, Jazz, because <laughs> I think that's what that's what Doc is trying to do, or at least that's where Doc is stuck. Now, I'm not around the Sixers. I know you're around the organization far more than I am. But Doc doesn't strike me as the analytics guy. He just doesn't. Like, in his mind, okay, DeAndre's tall. So I'm going to put him out there. I'm six foot three jazz. They put me out there in high school, the rebound, our rebounding numbers didn't change at all, but I was still (laughs) tall. You know what I mean? Like if, if that's doc's only reasoning for putting Deandre Jordan out there, you got to think of something a little bit better than that. Like I know that they've got the young kid uh, who I now can't think of Bassey. 
well, they got Charles the, Bassey. Yeah, 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 yeah. They got Charles Bassey, who they who they likely won't trust. And I understand that. I know they have B-Ball Paul, and B-Ball Paul is a favorite in some sections of Sixers Twitter. I get that too. He can play some minutes. Hey, with Doc, it's like it's always 2012. It's always 2009. It's like where's Rajon Rondo? Where's Perk? Can I put Perk in the lineup? Like that's that's kind of the way the Doc works. That doesn't surprise me at all. It's just kind of funny that he's doubling down on it so hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, he's been and he's been extra testy. I mean, you remember where they were? You know, they were up. 3-1-3-2 and then you know we started talking about the magic team versus the pistons at one and oh four that were up three one and it's like well dude we still see the games everybody does look at the roster you're the friggin' coach you know take some accountability for that and again you're right looking at the way he's road dj since they picked him up you know off the bio market it's like yeah this dude probably doesn't get look at the underlying data doesn't look at the numbers i think analytics should be a part of your analysis yes. a part of your game plan, but not everything. But again, if every single person is watching these games and is into the team, we see how bad DeAndre Jordan is. And it's like, you're disagreeing with virtually everyone in the basketball world that this guy stinks and he shouldn't be on the court. So I, I mean, again, it's going to be interesting. I, I do think the Sixers have a chance to win this series. Obviously that's pending Joel Embiid coming back for game three, possibly even game four, but they got to steal the next one. now. I had a feeling they might be able to take Game one, maybe, like if everything went right, but they're going to need one of those games where Maxi has 35, Tobias Harris and, and Harden combined for 50 amongst them, and then they get like 14 or 15 points from George Niang off the bank, off the bench part of me, Shake Milton has to score seven, or like everything's got to go right for them, but they do have the opportunity to steal a game because to me, as deep as Miami is, nobody on that squad is like... Jimmy Butler to me is like a very good basketball player, but he's not that killer dude who's going to score 45 points on you, you know, for three straight games to eliminate the opponent. They don't have that, that top flight, top five guy. You know, you look at top 10 guy that you're like, damn, this guy's going to bury us. So to me, I, I think the Sixers can actually still win this series. And again, that's if Joel Embiid looking that way from what Woj said, they're targeting game three or four. So if he does come back, I think that the Sixers are, are going to be, are going to be a handful for the heat. Yeah, and and we were kind of talking about that earlier, just on the text, like, you know, when does Joel come back? Can they afford to bring him back in game three? Now, obviously, if they lose game two in Miami, yeah, they're obviously going to have to push to get him back in game three. But if they can win game two, you can go back to Philadelphia and maybe you can survive on B-ball, Paul, because it'll be the home crowd and the home energy. If there's one player on that Sixers roster who plays exceptionally well in front of the home crowd, it's Tyrese Maxey. Like Tyrese Maxey could go off in game three for all we know. So I, I think if you're the Sixers, you kind of understand that, you know, we have to get Joel back for game three. But if we can just wait, if we can just get him to game four where he can put the mask on and come out for game four and they could even have him ring the bell before the game, if that helps, you know, <laughs> but if they can just wait just long enough, like if they, they really do need to get game two. And I'm with you. They can win this series like it is possible. Now, it would also help. James Harden. I don't know if Houston James Harden is is walking through that door, uh, but if they do get that over the next couple of games, yes, they have a chance. But it all comes down to when can we tell Joel, hey, you gotta go. Like, we, like we can't wait anymore. You know, this this window that we have here in Philly, it's like it's open for about a year and a half, and and they 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 all know it. So it's like, okay, window's open. You gotta go. I think the Sixers are hoping that it's Game Four. And again, I'm just guessing. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if game three comes around and says, okay, okay, big fella, you're an MVP candidate. You got to get out there. This is your moment. Yeah, you got to go for game three. He's getting a little bit of time to rest the thumb. Again, not going to completely heal, but getting some more time there. So that's one kind of silver lining, I guess, for, for the fact that he's going to miss probably the, you know, at least the first two games, probably possibly the first three. But 
again, I mean, it all hinges on on him. Otherwise, yeah, this series likely over in in five or six games, depending on how good Tyrese Maxey does, because he's the only guy who looks like he's capable of scoring 35 mm-hmm. on any given night at this point. Uh, Marcus, want to jump around and looking at some of the other series, the Bucks and the Celtics. I expect this to go seven. I have no clue which way it's going to go, but based off what we saw from uh, Milwaukee in, in game one, where, I mean, Giannis, you know, had a terrible shooting night, still managed to have a triple double, had that ridiculous alley-oop or, uh, you know, intentional yeah. miss to himself. The team and, yeah, and you look at you look the Bucks really just reverse it onto Boston in this one, right? The Celtics, and this is from Kirk Goldsberry on Twitter. The Celtics shot three of twenty from the field when Giannis or Brooke Lopez contested the shot, including one of fifteen on two pointers. So when you're looking at that series, the Bucks have another gear to them, doing this impressively all without Chris Middleton, all-star level guy. Obviously, Grayson Allen turns on his uh, you know, his, his t- taking him back to the Duke days and, and becomes to, this guy. You have to boo him. Yeah, you have to you have to boom, right? Yeah. Your your personality equivalent, Marcus Grayson Allen. But uh <laughs> yeah, you look looking at uh, looking at that series, how do you think things are gonna shake out there? Because I think those two teams are very evenly matched. And looking at the fact that Giannis, the best player in that series, not by much, maybe over Jason Tatum, but I, I think we're in for a six or seven game battle in that one. What about you? Well, I, I thought going into this series that the Bucs would win the series, quite frankly. And I know that the Celtics have been lights out since January 1st. And Ime Udoka's got something special there with the defense. And it's great that Time Lord has uh, recovered from the meniscus thing there, that he can give them 10, 15 minutes. Jason Tatum is a top five votes MVP guy at this point, And he may win a league MVP at some point very soon. But I think the Bucks are in a spot where, hey, we've been here. Uh, we've seen this before. This isn't the bubble Bucks. This isn't the, the 2019 Bucks where, again, we didn't see it from those guys. Now we have. And I know that Chris Middleton is out, and that is certain. But who did they go all in to trade for not that long ago? It was Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday was amazing in game one on Sunday, not just offensively. I think he finished with 25 that game. But just defensively on the perimeter, we saw Drew Holiday do this in the finals against Chris Paul. Like they went down two nothing, and Drew Holiday just physically abused Chris Paul for the rest of that series. And the the cumulative effect of that wore Paul down, and the Bucks win the series because they have the ability, Jazz, to just beat you up. Like <laughs> they're a very physical team. The Celtics have an excellent defense, but uh, the Bucks are in a different stratosphere in terms of physicality compared to the Brooklyn Nets. I I think the Celtics are going to bounce back. I feel like they are going to win game two, but I also feel like the Celtics had a moment in game one where they kind of looked at them like, you're not the Nets. (laughs) You're (laughs) you're not. This, this isn't, this isn't Andre Drummond. What the hell's going on? And they, they drive into the paint. Okay. Giannis is there, but Oh, Hey, there's Bobby Portis. And he looks like he wants to kill me. There's Brooke <laughs> Lopez. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just a completely different makeup from Brooklyn to Milwaukee. I think Boston is going to do a fine job of adjusting to that, but, and I don't want to, you know, spoil all this. Cause it, it almost sounds like an easy answer. I was texting with another guy and it's like, well, you know, I think the Celtics are going to win. And I said, you know what? I can't bet against Giannis. I know he played really well on Sunday. He only shot nine for 25, but it speaks to the maturation of Giannis as a player that he's able to find other ways to control the game. He had a triple. He had 11 assists, 12 rebounds. He's able to do all that stuff now. He couldn't do that three years ago. He can do that now, and that does make him the best player of the world. And I know that's a very prisoner of the moment statement, but he looked like the best guy in the world the other night, and I expect that. Does it go six or seven? Yes, but I think the Bucs will eventually win this game, uh, win the series, and you know what? Return to the NBA Finals. I'm going to go that far. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I could see that too because the Bucks are are 
defending champions for a reason likely we'll get chris middleton back at some point during this run how he's able to play in terms of conditioning that remains to be seen we talked a little bit about both the east series let's take a break here marcus we'll come back and jump into the west after a short break support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we're back. Marcus, talking a little bit about the Western Conference now that we know that you're going with Milwaukee and Giannis Antetokounmpo to come out of the East. When you're looking at the West, one series really intriguing to me. The other one is, wow, that team is way better, but that one guy is probably going to win a couple of games on his own. So let's start with that one because that was played on Monday. The Suns never trailed against the Mavs in game one, ended up with a 121-114 win. If you wake up in the morning and check the box score and see Luka Doncic at 45 points and 12 rebounds. Relax. It was not that close. The Phoenix was up by 13 at the break. Um, never really, never were really contested um, throughout that entire second half. But Marcus, when you're looking at that series, and there's one thing I saw with DeAndre Ayton in this game, and I'm not going to put him on the same level, not even close to at this point in his career as Joel Embiid, but against a Mavs team who doesn't have much size, starts Dwight Powell as, as their big man. He was getting positioning wherever he wanted to. He ended up leading the Suns in scoring, I believe, in this one. He had 25 points, 13 to 20 from the from the field. But you're looking at that, and again, reminding me a bit of how we've seen Embiid get a lot of baskets where he just seals the guy b- below him, right, right in front of the rim, and gets an easy shot or gets to gets to the free throw line. But looking at looking at this from the Maverick standpoint, do they have any shot at at beating the Suns? Like how do you how how far is the gap between these two teams in your opinion Marcus well it, it depends on when you say beating the Suns does that mean win the series or does win that the mean series, win the series okay okay in the series I mean look like you said Luca had 45 12 and 8 here's what bothers me though Jazz he shot the ball 30 times tonight um look he was 15 of 30 from the field you know old school efficiency that's that's not bad like I'll take that four from 11 from three that's not bad 11 of 14 from the line but you know, part of the reason that the Mavericks look so good in the first round, aside from the fact that Utah treats perimeter defense like it's a disease, <laughs> you had you had Jalen Brunson play exceptionally well in that series. You had Reggie Bullock knocking down open threes. You had Dorian Finney-Smith making plays. Spencer Dinwiddie, Maxi Kleber, who thankfully was okay after that terrifying fall tonight and still scored 19 points. I just feel like Luka's going to be here. You know what I mean? Like, Luka's going to get... Uh, everything he wants, for the most part, against this Phoenix defense. Mikael Bridges can can do some stuff on on, on Luca. I, I have no doubt about that. But Luca's going to put up his numbers. The question with Dallas is, 
who's going to be that other guy? Jalen Brunson, 31 minutes, 13 points, 6 to 16. Not bad, but I don't want to go full Shaq here, but I need more than that. You know what I mean? Like you just, <laughs> yeah. you just, you just need more from the others. And, and I, we obviously didn't see that uh, in the game tonight. I really don't think the Mavericks can win this series. I like what they have in place though, because Jason Kidd, who uh, is probably collecting apologies from a lot of people and should be, uh, has constructed a pretty good defense in Dallas. Like the pieces are there. Even when they made the poor Zingas trade, it was almost like to take a, and now you've got a guy like Jalen Brunson who they will absolutely have to pay. Uh, you've got Luca in place. You've got others. Spencer Dinwiddie has kind of reinvented himself a little bit. So there's positives in Dallas. I think they could take a game or two off of Phoenix in this series. No doubt about that. If Luca has a big game at home, uh, you know, in the next two here, game three or game four, it's very easy for Dallas to do so. I just didn't see enough from the others tonight uh, to get it done. And that's what Dallas is going to need. They're going to need big games from Jalen Brunson. They're going to need big shooting nights. And they actually shot really well as a team from the three-point line. So to answer that question, even though it took five minutes, no, they can't win this series, but I could easily see them taking a couple of games. And that's okay based on their timeline and where they're at. Yeah, the Suns dominated them on the rebounds too. And that just comes to a lack of size for for the Mavericks. And we've seen that with the Sixers a lot. I mean, they got killed on the offensive boards by by Miami in, in game one as well. So looking at that, I mean, it's kind of funny. They'll look at a big picture and we'll jump into Warriors, Grizzlies in a second here, Marcus. But going back to what I was talking about with DeAndre Aiden, we've seen Joel Embiid, how good Anthony Davis was in the bubble when when the Lakers won the Mickey Mouse Mickey Mouse title back then, right? <laughs> Don't even claim that one, Marcus. We're not, we'll, we'll get into that off air at some point. But when, when you're looking at that, like, just seeing the evolution of the big man, you know, we grew up of, of a day and age where in the 90s, the, the 2000s, your offense, your team was centered around having a seven footer. Now you're seeing guys like Aiden, guys like Embiid be able to dominate. Do you think maybe at some point in the next five, 10 years, we'll start to see the game? Not, I don't think I'll ever completely go back to what it was, but start to see the premium on, hey, you got a seven footer that's big. You can control the block, get him down there and let him do his thing from the paint. Now you're setting me up for another shack line, Jazz. Just get the ball to the big man, let him dominate. <laughs> no, well, I, I think we'll get back to there, uh, back to there, because uh, these things are all cyclical. It's just how it goes. I mean, we enjoyed the era from 2014 to about 2021, but now things are changing a little bit. I think it means something that the top three MVP candidates are all big guys, and maybe Embiid and Jokic are more traditional big men than say Giannis is. Giannis is just literally a freak. Um, but I, I, I do think it's a cool thing. I, I, I like when an offense revolves around a big man, but you know what? It also comes with the mindset of today where it's like, okay, you can be seven feet, but I hope you can handle the ball. And also I hope you have a shooting range that's longer than 15 feet. I think that's the one thing that's holding Deandre Ayton back. Cause look, Deandre Ayton can get whatever he wants. He dominates. And that's mainly because of what, you know, defensive coverages, allow him because the way teams play three is more than two. So go ahead, take your little 15 footers. We'll live with that. Aiton dominates right now, but if he can extend his range, uh, there's, there's no limit. And frankly, I'm stunned. The Suns haven't paid him, but that's honestly a whole other podcast. We'll get into that at some other point down the road, but I, I, I really like where the game is headed and that it's not just pace and space and shooters. It's that extra wrinkle where you can get a guy like a yoke that you can turn a game or maybe turn a series or get a guy like Embiid who can hit a step back three at the buzzer on the road in a hostile environment like he did in Toronto. It's great for the game, but it only shows that these guys are just more and more skilled because we also grew up in an age jazz where you had some guys, they're only good at like one thing or two things. Now you got a bunch of guys who are really good at everything. Great for the game. There's a ton of talent in the league right now. And I, and I am really, really excited to see where it goes in the next five or 10 years. Yeah, back then it was, oh, you're seven foot two? Okay, we'll take you, even though you smoke cigarettes and, and can't hit more than a four-foot <laughs> jump shot. But you know what? You're seven yeah. foot two and 200 pounds, so you're good for six fouls. 
uh, every <laughs> game. But getting back to uh, the NBA playoffs, Marcus, second round matchup. To me, as much as I think the Bucks and the Celtics will be a war of attrition, looking at the Warriors and Grizzlies, I think that's going to be entertaining as hell. The Dubs obviously took game one, 117, 116. Clay Thompson hits the go-ahead three with 36 seconds left. Then he looks like he could be the GOAT because he misses the two free throws. And then Ja ends up missing at the buzzer. What are your thoughts on that series? Because so far... Just the way the Warriors looked, especially throughout the first three games against Denver, ultimately took that series in five. And I do think they'll beat the Grizzlies in this one, not because the Grizzlies aren't talented, but because I just think older teams have the advantage in the NBA. That just has been the trend historically that you have to go through some losses before you before you get yeah. to the top of the mountain. But when you look at the Golden State Memphis matchup, how do you think things are going to shake out in that one? Well, it's funny. Like if you asked me this a week ago, I would have said, well, the Warriors are going to win in five because the Grizzlies are too young and stupid. Like they just, they can't, they're not, <laughs> they're not, they're not there yet. Like, like that series with Memphis and Minnesota jazz, that was unbelievable because it played out kind of like a March madness game for six nights. Like you just never knew like Carl Anthony towns could show up and pick up four fouls in the first 15 minutes. And even worse, Chris Finch would let him pick up four fouls in the first 15 <laughs> minutes. So like a week ago, yeah. Like I, I would have felt like the Warriors would win the series in five. But I mean, you look at game one yesterday, Desmond Bain has a very quiet night. However, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Triple J, went six for nine from three. That's that's not going to happen probably again for the rest of the playoffs. So if like if you're the Grizzlies, I think you're happy to be there. But, you know, deep down, we don't quite have all our scar tissue yet. And that is Steph and that is Clay and that is Dre. And there's Andre Iguodala. He's still over there, too. And there's Steve Kerr and there's Bob Myers over there. It's it's almost like there's just too much of that, that championship aura. It's like Charlie Murphy with Rick James, that aura, whatever. I've seen it. Like the Warriors <laughs> have it. They just do when they walk on the floor, especially now that Clay is back and he looks like Clay and Draymond, who when he wants to, can still look like 2016 Draymond. I just think the Warriors have a little bit too much of it. As exciting as the Grizzlies are, and they're going to be a good team for a very long time. And it's great that Jod loves Memphis. I love that quote. You know, we want the smoke. We run up the chimney. I, I use that in my daily life now. I think that's fantastic. That's a great <laughs> line. It is. It's a great line. The Grizzlies are going to be really good for a long time. I just I just don't see them pulling this out. Like it's going to go six, maybe even seven. Who knows? They might surprise them. But I, I just feel like, again, we've seen the Warriors do this. They're going to do it again. They found a way. You know, Clay's missing free throws. Steph had a game in the playoffs where he missed like four or five free throws. Like, what the hell's going on here? They just find a way and, and they're going to continue to do it. Two observations from that series. Number one, Desmond Bain looks like the guy at the YMCA who is just killing you like on the court <laughs> and you kind of hate him, but you can't do anything because he seems like he'll rip your head off, which he's using six fingers. You know what I mean? Like that guy <laughs> yeah. is not somebody I would want to mess with on the basketball court. Uh, and the second one, the dream on green, the flagrant, that was pretty soft. Uh, as much as, yeah, by, by the rule of the law in the NBA, that that was a flagrant and he should have been kicked out. But to me, coming up in the era that I did watching, I'm like, yeah, oh, that's a, that's a hard foul, you know, and let him shoot his free throws and, and let's get on with the game. Yeah. That's, that's a tricky one. I like, I almost want to say this is, this is Vancouver, Brandon Clark erasure here from a couple of Vancouver <laughs> guys, but you know, I, I guess it kind of depends on what camera angle you look at because the one that I saw, it's like, okay, well, Draymond slapped the hell out of him and then pulled him down to the floor. Now where the game is at now. Yeah. That's what they're going to call. I, I think that's more on the officials. Draymond obviously went on to his podcast immediately after the game, which I, I think no one's ever done that before and talked mm -hmm. about it. And then, and then uh, we saw uh, Jay Crowder kick Luka Doncic in the pills in this game. And there's Draymond on Twitter. He's like, Hey, I've been thrown out for less than that. <laughs> so 
Uh, you know, we're just at a point in the NBA now where it's not 1985. It's not 1993. And it is a shame. I think Draymond does have a point and Steph Curry does have a point. Uh, but at the same time, eh, you know, it's, it's, it's just going to happen that way. And, and that's, that's for us to argue. It makes it, it makes it more fun for us, I guess, at the end of the day. Yeah. And it was uh, debated on every single sports show you saw, you know, that was on the national media landscape on, on Monday was about that, about that uh, particular play, but also looking at, you mentioned the Warriors, they have nearly 700 combined playoff games. So, I mean, yeah, those guys yeah. are, they, they, they've, they've been around the block and back. So I still think the Warriors come out of the West again. I still think the Sixer story, as much as fans are used to getting kicked in the nuts when it comes to cheering for this team, particularly, I still think if Joel comes back, they can get out of the East. I'm they match up particularly well. I feel like with the Bucks, uh, the Celtics. I don't know, just depending on the with the perimeter advantage Boston would have mm -hmm. uh, against Philly. But overall, I still think knowing what we know about Joel Embiid, even if he comes back with that mask on. There's something to be said here, but again, if it's game four and they're down three, nothing, there's no point in bringing the guy back at that point, you know, unless you're hoping for a miracle. But to me, I, I still think the Sixers will have something to say. Are you, you think the Sixers ranked number four, basically on the Eastern conference totem pole right now, even, uh, well, with, yeah. the hell, even with Embiid back? Yeah, I, I know. And, and I realize that, you know, you're with Liberty Ballers and Liberty Ballers endorses this message. I get it. But it's like I they're they're up there. And you're right. If, if Joel comes back, yes, they can absolutely compete. It's just when he comes back. Uh, how effective he can be. Again, he's played with a mask before. The mild concussion thing certainly worries me. I I, I don't think that uh, that's something they can take lightly. I think that's the main concern here because we've seen Joel with the mask on before. But if he can get back and, and, and play healthy, and more importantly, Jazz, I think if they can get anywhere close to Houston Harden and Tobias Harris, who frankly frankly has been fine. He just gets paid too much. That's That's too bad. Yeah. But he just gets paid too much. That's not his fault. Uh, if they get continued, you know, nights like that from those guys, they're gonna be fine. They just have to get you all back. It's a big asterisk, and I, I almost, I'm at a point now where it's like your best ability is your availability. It's to the point where talking about injuries is almost exhausting to this point. But you're right. Like if Joel comes back, yeah, they can get there. They are capable, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and again, we we don't know what what's going to happen there, so. You know, we'll find out probably in the coming days when at least we know he will has a chance at getting back onto the court. We'll wrap up here, Marcus. For people who don't know, you're a huge Eagles fan. Everybody loved what they did at the draft. What did you think yeah. about the A.J. Brown edition? And how do you feel about Jalen Hurts as the quarterback still? Well, I'm I'm thrilled about Jalen Brown, obviously. And I was at that was the one line about the Sixers I wanted to work in. It's like, look, if Joel stays hurt, you know, the people of Philadelphia can still cruise off the Eagles vibes for the next five to ten days. Um, obviously the clock will be ticking for Jalen Hurts. The thing is, and what I learned literally today, AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts are like best friends. Like this is, this is something that's long in the making. Um, but yeah, the pressure is going to be on Jalen. Obviously Howie Roseman has done everything he can to, you know, supplement Jalen with everything he needs. And, and I'm very excited about Nicole Dean, and I'm, I'm very excited about Jordan Davis. Um, there's a lot to be excited about, but there's, you know, it, it's just that it's that Jimmy Garoppolo esque thing. That's just hanging in there at quarterback. Like is Jalen, the guy, I don't know. They will give him a year. And then after a year, they'll make a decision, but it's going to be a very interesting year with a lot of talent around him. And it's on Jalen to figure it out. He's a good kid. He's got a good head on his shoulders, says all the right things, does all the right things. That's great. Just bring the arm strength, Jalen. Bring the arm strength, Jalen. That's all we need. That's all we need. Just figure it out. Just hit AJ Brown in stride. Everything's going to be fine. You got Devontae Smith underneath. You got Dallas Goddard. It's going to be good, but he has to be good. And you know that. You're a 49er fan. Jimmy has to be good. Now Jalen Hurts has to be good. It's the same thing.
No, asking, asking for arm strength from a couple of guys who could barely throw the ball 20 yards down the field. <laughs> a little bit too much. Not messing with you. I, I agree. I think Jalen Hurts is stuck in that uh, in that Jimmy G range, too, because, yeah, like you mentioned, I'm a, I'm a Niners fan and we saw, hey, we can get to a Super Bowl. We can get to an NFC yeah. championship. You're up 17-7 going to the fourth quarter. What are you doing, Jimmy Garoppolo? Just make one throw. You know, yeah. and, he, and he just couldn't do it. And of course, now that we're saying this. Trey Lance is going to come in and the Niners are going to go five and 12 next season. Cause he's going to, <laughs> this is just the way it is of being a 49ers fan, but uh, Marcus always fun talking to you, man. I want to thank you for joining me on the NBA whip around and we'll do this again at some point during the playoffs again soon. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. All right. That's Marcus Fitzgerald. He's with Vancouver Sportsnet 650 part-time anchor, part-time reporter there uh, covers the NHL Canucks. As I mentioned, huge Eagles fan as well. Don't forget before we wrap things up, subscribe to the Liberty ballers podcast network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. Always appreciate a five-star review. And also don't forget to check us out at libertyballers.com.